Hello, and welcome to the How to Get an Analytics Job podcast. My name is John David Arianson, and I'm your host. I'm what you would call a practicing professor. I have years of experience consulting in the analytics industry, and I have years of experience teaching analytics in the classroom at Greensboro College. This podcast is an ecosystem that I developed for my students so that they could get world-class career advice from leading analytics experts. To date, my students have got to ask questions directly to analysts and data scientists from Amazon, Apple, and Google. They've even got to talk directly to CEOs, CMOs, and presidents of companies who have been former clients of mine to get insights on how senior managers use data to drive their business decisions. If you're interested in becoming one of my students, check the links in the description down below. I'm currently offering two programs. One is a one-month career services program, and the other is an analytics apprenticeship program associated with Greensboro College. In both of those programs, we take a three-tiered hybrid approach. So you'll have access to pre-recorded asynchronous lectures, live group lectures in a cohort setting, and one-on-one coaching with experts in the analytics space. On average, our students are gaining about a $16,000 pay increase going through the program. On the high end, we've actually helped someone achieve a $54,000 pay increase. This means that on average, our students are recouping their investment between one to two months of landing their job. So if you're ready to take your career to the next level, click the links in the description and apply for our program. I would love to get to work with you. With all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. Welcome. Uh, you may be surprised to hear a new voice here um, at How to Get an Analytics Job. Uh, my name is Katie. I've been on the podcast before, um, but this is my first time leading uh, without John David. Um, I help John David with the career services program um, and do some of the coaching with him. Uh, so tonight we're doing an experiment uh, for this month of June. We have my office hours with our career coaching students on Thursday nights. And we are going to live stream them so you guys can get a peek into what our program is like, get to know some of our students, get to know me a little bit um, if you guys were interested in joining. So uh, tonight, the structure of the program um, is really office hours kind of format. I don't really know what's going to happen. I do know Rachel's here to talk about her job. She's an alum of the program, actually. She got her first job, analytics job, a few weeks ago. So she's going to start off and tell us a little bit about it. We'll have a conversation. Um, but I'm hoping that some of my other students on the call here will have some questions for me. Um, and we'll just have kind of a conversation and see where it goes. Um, so with that being said, Rachel, uh, let's start with you. Um, firstly, congratulations uh, on the position. That's awesome. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. Um Thank you. So I am one of two compensation analysts working in the HR department uh, for the headquarters of Fresh Market here in Greensboro. Um, It is a hybrid position, uh, though most of my team, the benefits team, actually chooses to um, be in the office most of the week um, just because we like the tech setup and things like that. Um, Right now, I'm assigned to a fair few projects having to do with um, corporate merit increases, um, you know, working on benefits, survey data, cleaning up a bunch of that coming in from third parties, um, helping the benefits team with 401k reporting, things like that. So it's, yeah, like you said, it's been about three weeks and so far it's been really enjoyable. Awesome. Awesome. So can you remind me, what was your background before you got into analytics? What was your job before this? So prior to analytics, I was um, a financial services representative for the State Employees Credit Union. And I was in that position for about three years. Okay. Okay, cool. 
Cool. Um, so I'm I'm interested uh, to hear what you think um, or some advice that you have for our fellow students or my fellow students. Now you're an alum, but um, what would advice would you have for them starting out in their job search? Um, maybe something you learned from John David or I or something else you picked up along the way. You know, if you could distill your favorite tip or something that you think was like most beneficial for them to uh, focus on, what would you say is that one thing? Gosh, I think um, the things that stick out in my head, there's actually two. Uh, there was one okay. from you and one from John David, actually. Okay, fair enough. Um, best advice I've probably received, not just uh, during my time as part of the cohort, but just uh, in general, um, has been, you know, one from John David, which is just start throwing out applications. Even if you don't think you're ready, just start applying, you know, even if you don't have your portfolio built, if you don't, you know, think you're ready, just start applying because you never know what will happen. Um, and it was actually one of those, um, really early, easy apply, like quick apply, Mm -hmm. um, applications on LinkedIn that got me this position. So Mm -hmm. um, that ended up working out really well for me and getting in the habit of just throwing out, you know, five, 10, 20 applications a day um, was super helpful. And I actually ended up, you know, you'll go for like one, two, three months, hear nothing. And then suddenly everything happens in one week. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty much right after I accepted the offer at Fresh Market, I ended up getting contacted by other recruiters and other connections on LinkedIn and other applications started kind of having news come up. Um, so definitely just hang in there, keep throwing the applications out there because eventually you're going to, you know, you're going to get something. And that was super helpful coming from John David. And then best piece of advice on, especially on a personal like confidence level um, actually came from UK um, and I think about it every day. It's uh, if you don't get challenged in your job, mm-hmm. especially if you aren't feeling challenged, you know, if you aren't feeling challenged or excited in these interviews, you're selling yourself short and you need to reach higher. Mm-hmm. And again, that's another thing that helped me land this position was, you know, I went into every single one of the like four interviews I had. And one of the most common questions I would get asked is, oh, what's your previous compensation experience or what's your previous HR experience? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, internally, I'm thinking, oh, none, nothing. Um, mm-hmm. I was a bank teller for three years. Is that, you know, does that count? Um, I know how to count money. Um, but just that was the biggest confidence booster. So whenever I thought about blurting out something um, like that or hesitating or trying to sell myself short, I would hear you in my head being like, no, don't do that. You're, you're going to face these challenges. You're going to, um, you know, you're going to see this job and think, oh, I only meet 50% of the requirements. Well, that means you're probably qualified. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm super flattered that that had such an impact on you. Um, that makes my whole job here worth it easily. Um, but it's true. I think um, every one of you guys should be applying to a job that you're uncomfortable to apply for. And I think um, you should be very nervous to get it. And then when you get it super excited and then super jazzed to be working there, um, you want to be stretching yourself into a role. Um, and stretching oftentimes means you're nervous to apply or to interview. Um, so I definitely believe that. And I'm glad that um, that had such an impact on you. That's so sweet of you to say. Um I've been talking, just me and Rachel and I have been talking a lot. There's a lot of other students on the call. What questions do you guys have for Rachel? I mean, she just landed her job. She was where you guys were just two months ago. Um, So hopefully two months from now, all of you guys can come back on the podcast and and share your story like this too. Um, But what questions do you guys have for Rachel? So how was your first week of work? Like what did they get you to to work on and how, how... What did you do in your first weeks? Oh, gosh. First week um, was a little bit slow. Um, and I say that because I'm used to um, very kind of trial by fire learning in um, or as, you know, the professionals like to call it uh, on-the-job training. Um, 
So they actually have a really comprehensive uh, training program uh, at the Fresh Market. So um, they really didn't leave me hanging when it came to, you know, here, let's establish the basics, uh, kind of our business rules. Let's get you caught up to date on, you know, the systems we use, things like that. So my first week was a lot of learning, uh, which was really good and a really good change of pace for me. Um, and that was actually one of the big factors that uh, taking the job, like accepting the offer actually hinged on for me was uh, being told that, yes, our training program is comprehensive and we do allow time for you to adjust. Um, but then ever since that first week, it's been um, kind of jumping in the pool with a bunch of projects. Um, they're very Excel and BI based. So uh, they work with a system called UKG, and that's their BI reporting tool. And then uh, me and my fellow comp analyst work quite a bit in Excel. I spent uh, eight hours today staring at some spreadsheets. So mm -hmm. that's been the majority of it. Cool. What else? Who else has any other questions for Rachel? Um, well, congratulations, Rachel. That's awesome that it's going well so far. Um, I just want to comment on the whole idea of like just getting in there and applying because I've, you know, I've completed two projects so far, one in Power BI, one in SQL. You know, I've, I've done, I know how to use Excel pretty well and stuff like that, but, but I too was like a little bit hesitant to start applying, but John David was like, you're ready. You know, you got a good, res good looking resume, just get out there and start applying. And I think I've applied to like 105 jobs so far. And I've already gotten a couple of bites. I had an interview last Friday mm -hmm. um, and, and I have an interview with a recruiter tomorrow, first first round. So I just feel like, I don't know, I think just ju just jumping in there, you know, getting your resume looking good and, and going for it. It's, it's been working for me too. So because you, you landed your job in like less than two months, right? Yeah. And congratulations, by the way. That's that's great. Um, but yeah, um, it was about... I think six weeks from when I started the program and the total uh, like interview, the time for all the interviews was about a month, but yeah, I will say fresh market was exceptionally fast. Mm -hmm. um, they admitted they normally work on a bit slower timeline. You know, the process would have taken a bit longer, but they were like, we liked you. So we wanted to speed it up. So you didn't go somewhere else. And I was like, Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm glad you sped it up. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's the biggest hurdle for a lot of us is just that initial leap into sending out the applications and thinking, oh, gosh, they're going to click on that link in my resume to uh, my portfolio, and they're only going to see one or two projects. But it uh, turns out what I had in my portfolio was perfectly fine. Yeah. I'm interested, Rachel, did they ask for your portfolio or ask to see it? Or was it part of your interview process at all? Uh, so I know that they viewed it um, because there were a couple of comments on that during the various interviews. Um, however, it's not something they requested for me uh, because they were more concerned with my technical skills with Excel specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, so my technical interview was actually entirely Excel based. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they said, just show us a project you've done, preferably in Excel. It can be anything, you know, you don't have to do something new for this, even though I did. And now it's part of my portfolio. Mm -hmm. uh, so they actually laid out the guidelines for that pretty well. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, it, that's interesting. I think um, there's definitely... Um, I would say an increased use of portfolios. Um, I would say I've been hiring um, entry-level analysts for five years or so. Um, there wasn't such a thing as a portfolio five years ago, hardly. Um, but now I think um, the last couple of people I've hired, we've looked at portfolios and I think we will continue to. Um, and uh, I've heard other people starting to use them as well. So I'm glad. Um, and you guys are all on the call and anyone listening. I mean, if you're building a portfolio, honestly, you're farther ahead than 
many applicants on positions because there's lots of people applying to jobs who don't have portfolios yet. So um, even just building a portfolio um, is a differentiator so long as they're good projects and, you know, it's good work. Um, so I'm, in, I was glad to hear that you um, they're, they're referencing. I'm sure that gave you a leg up in the interview process. It definitely did. Um, you know, one of the things I was actually speaking with um, my fellow comp analyst, her name is Krista, I was speaking with Krista um, about a week ago uh, because she was uh, pretty heavily involved in the process, you know, because obviously she was going to have to work really closely with whoever came in and um, she helped lead my technical interview as well. And I asked her, um, I said, you know, I remember you commenting that you really liked my technical interview and things like that. Um, and I said, just out of curiosity, if you're allowed to say, what were the other candidates like? And she said, if I had any doubts after the technical interview, like your portfolio was great. But mm -hmm. the, uh, she said most, pretty much none of the other applicants, even though they looked good on paper, they didn't perform well in the technical interview and no one else had a portfolio. So mm -hmm. yep. I was like, wow. Okay. Yep. Yep. So hopefully that helps everybody on the call feel better because you guys are going to have killer portfolios and that alone will be a huge differentiator. Um, but I want to loop back to one other thing that um, you said earlier about this was an easy apply uh, job that you like you submitted your application through the easy apply process on LinkedIn and that's how you got it. It's been really interesting. Um, John David and I have been looking at some of the, the student data and it's really such a mixed bag. It's very interesting as far as, you know, there are people getting jobs through the easy apply. There are people getting jobs through, you know, getting a LinkedIn following and someone finding them from a LinkedIn post. There's people who get them through networking, through recruiters. So that's why our advice, you know, we tell you guys to, to do all of it, basically, um, because you just never know where that lead's going to or where your job's going to come from. Um, so that's interesting and easy apply. Um, it's a good, well, good 30 seconds of your time, five minutes of your time, whatever it was. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and it, it really didn't ask any additional questions either. Um, it was just here, submit your application. Um, and then, you know, straight ahead. So I think biggest difference there, uh, when it came to the business side, like a fresh market side, I actually got the chance to speak with their recruiters. Um, and so there's a person sitting behind the computer viewing all the applications and they didn't have a system filtering everything out, even though it was an easy apply and you would think that's a lot to weed through. But uh, I think that was, that was probably huge when it came to getting such a quick response. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Any other questions for Rachel and about her uh, recent job? Hey, Rachel, congrats. Uh, I had a kind of a quick two part question. Um, I, if you're able to share, what were some of the Excel functions or requests that they were asking um, as far as wanted you to showcase? And the other one was, how many interviews did you have to do and how are they different? Absolutely. Um, so in reference to the Excel portion, like the technical interview, uh, the guidelines um, for that one, other than saying, you know, preferably we'd like to see a project you did in Excel, uh, there really wasn't anything like that. So I, uh, they just said, you know, it can be like a past project you've done. So I think they were expecting just, you know, some I'd done in the past. I did make something new, but I built it. I just built a simple dashboard using uh, data provided in the courses by John David. Um, and I just built out a simple dashboard there. And I just made sure, you know, make use of formulas. Um, VLOOKUP was a big one. Um, basic calculations, you know, just knowing your Excel formulas was a big thing for them uh, since the job is highly Excel-based, uh, since they do um, so much in that format. And in regards to the interview process, I think I had a total of, I'm trying to think, I had the initial call with the recruiter, uh, who was the person who initially reached out. Um, and that was about like a 30 minute phone call just to get to know you. Um, 
Then I had the, I guess what most people call the behavioral interview, which was uh, with the woman who would, who is now currently my manager. Um, her name was Paula and she is the head of the benefits team that I'm part of. She is the director of total rewards and she did my behavioral. And when that went well, she said, okay, um, now you'll have your technical in a week with, uh, it was her and it was my fellow comp analyst. So they were both there. And then the fourth and final interview was actually kind of two interviews because they, uh, they surprised me a little. Um, I thought I would just be getting like a short tour of the offices and then meeting with the HR director, Chris, for my last interview, the in-person. Uh, but they actually brought the whole benefits team in and did a panel interview before I met Chris. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I got, um, and I know it wasn't, uh, they didn't mean to like shocker, uh, spring it on me like that, but um, yeah, that was interesting. Uh, but it was definitely, so I kind of had two behavioral interviews because uh, I could tell that one was a big behavioral one uh, because at Fresh Market, they place a lot of emphasis on the company culture and how well you're going to fit in on a personal mm -hmm. level. Um, they're not as worried about technical skills because, you know, you can teach those things, but I could tell, you know, they were really trying to see if I would be a good fit within that team because they have to work so closely together. Um, so I think technically I had like four interviews. Um, if you don't count the initial phone call, um, and I'm not sure what order, if there is like a standard order for that process, um, or if mine like followed a traditional order. Um, but yeah, I know they definitely try to weed out a lot of people first with the behavioral things to see if you might be a good fit on a personal level. And then they're like, okay, now we'll test your technical skills. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And Thank you. Oh, sorry. That entire process took about four weeks, I think. And it would have taken three, but scheduling conflicts um, on both sides were like, oh, we got to delay the in-person mm -hmm. week. But mm -hmm. overall, yeah, about a month. I would say that's a very representative experience of what we're hearing both from our students, Shrada, um, both in terms of the format of the interviews and the length of time, like three to four weeks. I mean, we would all love it to be quicker, but it does seem to be um, four, three, four interviews over maybe two to three weeks is probably what. Um, and also, actually, I was smiling when Rachel started her point. We've also heard from so many students that the job search process, there's nothing, 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 rejection, 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 rejection. And then three or four interviews in like a week. And like, there's like multiple, like multiple students have had two offers uh, that they get to decide from. So um, it does, uh, I know it's, it's hard to be in that waiting period, um, but it does seem to be for some reason that that's how it works for people is they'll get, you know, get their job. And then right after they'll get a second offer or something like that. So any other questions for Rachel? Okay. Um, thanks, Rachel, for joining. You're welcome to say, um, or if you have any questions for me here, you know, welcome to stay and listen in. Um, the rest of the time, um, you know, is really the students, whatever you guys, questions you guys have for me. I know um, I've just met a couple of you this week, so I don't know if you guys have more questions for me about my background or anything, um, but, you know, happy to talk about, we talked about roles earlier in the week too, um, what roles you guys might be looking for and how, which job titles match the different roles you're looking for. So if you guys have any thoughts about that, um, whatever, I'm open. I'm open and in the hot seat. Well, I have a question for both you and Rachel. Okay. Um, it's about uh, checking your calculations. Um, mm -hmm. What's the, did they go over the process with you, Rachel, for the new job? And uh, for Katie, um, checking the, the calculations, not only in Excel, but also SQL. Mm-hmm. 
You can go first, Rachel. All right. Um, so in terms of that, basically, um, me and the my fellow confidence, Krista, have actually kind of worked out a system where uh, if one of us is looking at something and we're thinking, mm, this doesn't quite look right, or does this look right, or this doesn't match um, the previous results I had with earlier data, uh, we'll actually do like sanity checks <laughs> with each other. Um, and one thing I do, and I, it's a little bit time consuming, but especially it especially helps if I'm doing uh, data modeling um, and, you know, seeing a visual representation of something, uh, I will actually, um, so this came up the other day, we were working with some uh, projections for uh, like average cost of uh, annual merit increases over time. Um, and Christette put in the formulas, things like that. And we were looking at it and we're both thinking, hmm, you know, is this right? Or, you know, I know we've based the projection on XYZ data, da, da, da. So we actually went in and um, just made a validation model, basically. Um, and Excel does have functions to where it will automatically calculate that. Um, so we did our model, we did that and we're thinking, okay, well that lines up good. We're seeing the same general trend, um, and nothing too wild. Um, so that kind of served to just validate it visually. Um, and just having another person, I think to bounce ideas off of and to come in and be that second pair of eyes has been invaluable to both of us. Yeah. 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 I would definitely say, um, Having someone else check your work is good. I mean, that's just standard practice. If you have the benefit of working with some another analyst, that you would definitely want to do that. Um, I'll give you um, my answer in kind of a fancy way and a not fancy way. So I told you guys on Tuesday, one of my um, one value that I want to give to you guys is giving you kind of what I called Googleable terms or just jargon. Um, that I think is common on job applications and sometimes in interviews. Um, I wouldn't say it's used so much in a day-to-day practice, at least in my opinion. Um, but anyways, there are terms that you guys should know, and I don't want you um, hung up on them in interviews too. So the uh, fancy answer is cross-field validation, cross-field validation. You can Google it. Um, the not fancy way is just, um, you can say that is um, creating the same calculation, like creating a calculated field and doing it in two different ways. Mm-hmm. So like if you have someone's age in your data set um, and you have their birthday, you can, you know, check that the age field is correct by calculating what their age should be by referencing their birthday and today's date. So the fancy term for that is cross-field validation. I'm sure there's probably more nuanced terms to that definition too. Like you could look and see, probably Google give a better answer than me, but um, that would be like a fancy way of saying that. Or like um, if, and if you hear it in a job inter- or a job application or something, they might say that experience with cross-field validation or something. Um, but how I would explain it in an interview, if it was asked of me, I would say I try and do recreate the calculation, but in a different way. So sometimes that means I'm building the calculation in SQL and then I'm checking it in Excel, or I do a lot of my calculations in Tableau because my team is just a, um, a business intelligence team. We don't write a lot of SQL actually. Um, I'm in the sales side of the company. So we do just mostly Tableau reporting. Um, so we would write our calculations in Tableau and then Um, either use a different function, like a second function to get the same calculation just to verify it or have someone else write it or pull it into Excel and and build the calculation a second way. Um, So that's kind of the first answer I would say is checking your work, um, building calculation the second way. Um, But another one I found is just like having a really good example in your data. If you can um, stick with one like just pick an example of a certain customer or a certain whatever product or something and focus just on that one example as you're building calculations. Um, And if it's a, as you get to know your data in your company, um, you can 
you know, get to know your customer or whatever through looking at your data, you can kind of get a gut sense is what you're building correct or not for them. Like if you're calculating margins or things like that, um, you can know like, does that sound, does that feel right for this customer or not? Um, That would be more once you're in kind of very familiar with your data set is when you can use like anecdotal kind of an example of your, your data to validate that kind of stuff. Cool. What else? We're going to take a quick pause from the episode so that I can give you some more information about our career services program. Over the last four years, I have developed a very effective approach to teaching the foundations of analytics. And I've taken that same curriculum from my case studies and business analytics class at Greensboro College and turned it into a career services program. So if you've ever thought to yourself as you're listening to this podcast, man, John David's students are really lucky. You can have a very similar experience to them. Just check the link in the description down below. My career services program offers you an analytics foundations curriculum. So this will shore up any gaps in knowledge that you might have in landing either a promotion or maybe even your very first analytics job. And then you get to work one-on-one with me to help build your personal brand. So we will look at your resume and also help you develop a customized portfolio. All right, let's get back to the episode. Um, I have a question as far as, um, probably more for you, Katie, as far as what are some of the soft skills and transferable skills, um, do you look for what a hiring manager recruiter look for um, to even get past that first interview phone call as well to behavioral those first components as well too yeah um communication like verbal communication um written communication is good too but i don't think it's as important as verbal communication like when you're an analyst um you have to talk really technical and you also have to talk on business side, especially if you are more of a business analyst. Um, so communication for sure, like which you can just tell in an interview, is someone easy to have a conversation with or not? Um, um, I would also say the ability to learn, like because as an analyst, um, you will learn new things all the time. Um, you will learn new functions and formulas. You'll also learn new tools. Like, uh, for example, at work, I just am learning now um, PowerShell. I've never had to write a PowerShell script before, but I have a need to pull some data out of this like third party tool that we use. And the, the way to do that is a PowerShell script. So, you know, I would have never known. And and my manager, when she hired me, would have never known to ask, like, do you know PowerShell? <laughs> um, and it's not the most important thing in the world, but like I could get by with my job without learning this, but it's going to make my job easier, you know, because we're going to automate something um, that is manual today. Um, so, you know, it's just the ability to learn. And um, that's what one of the things that John, Dave, and I want to give you guys the confidence in doing, you know, we don't, we don't cover specific skills here be, in, in our courses because firstly, other people cover them. There's so many great, amazing resources that are free. And why would we compete when that's not, you know, there's many other experts better than me at some of those skills. Um, but also skills change all the time. And so it's more about um, we we focus more on the soft skills, you know, teaching you how to communicate about yourself and your past experience. Um Let's see. What else? I think um, project management is another good one. Um, I'm biased because that's my background. Before I got into data analytics, I did project management for a while. But um, I think lots of data work is project work. Um, So if you know how to talk to people, gather requirements for whatever you're building, you know how to communicate with your stakeholders, you know how to talk about a timeline and think about how long is it actually going to take me to build this thing and, you know, 
deliver it when you say you're going to um, those kinds of skills. So project management skills, I think, are pretty uh, important as an analyst. Um, those are probably like the top ones, I would say. Let's see, who have we not heard from? Who has not asked anything? Carly, I haven't heard from you. Mayank, I haven't heard from you. Joel, I haven't heard from you. And Claudia, I don't think you asked a question. I think you just made a comment. I don't remember if you asked a question. No, you asked a question to Rachel. You I asked the question. Was. Yeah. All right. You guys have any uh, questions or comments? I did have a quick question for Rachel. Um, yeah. So I think she mentioned that like UKG was like the main BI tool at your company. Um, would you say like your Power BI and your Tableau experience kind of helped pivot over to UKG? Definitely, I uh, definitely did. Because uh, when I asked, when I asked during the technical interview, kind of what tools they used, and they explained, um, and I said, you know, if someone's familiar with, say, Power BI, um, is the shift to UKG like a big one? Um, or do you think it's fairly intuitive? And they said, oh, if you're used to one BI tool, this will make total sense. Um, so that was, it was really helpful having, you know, done projects in Power BI before. Because if I hadn't, I think the, the logical leap would have been a whole lot bigger. That makes sense. Okay, cool. I have a question. So um, this is open to like both uh, Rachel and Katie. So uh, I know that you guys really um, push on like sending out applications, uh, as you mentioned, like even if you feel like you're not ready, um, but like for like someone like who's like, like rel relatively like fresh uh, college grad with like no experience and like, uh, like I've, I've, I've only done like a couple courses of the Google Analytics, um, certificate but like i haven't even got gotten into the nitty-gritties of the technical aspects uh so like would, would it still be a good idea to just like um go all out with the applications or is it better to yes. at least have like a threshold of like the basic skills like no okay <laughs> i think you just start applying um you you because you will learn so much from starting to interview and every company is different with their skills. So I think, you know, I would say it this way. Learning skills helps you get confidence that you can learn more skills. That's the purpose of learning with your skills and getting ready for your interviews. I mean, you do need to prove that you know Excel and you do need to prove that you know basic SQL and you do need to know that somehow you know how to build a bar chart and a line chart. Those are like very basic fundamentals that I think you can learn in a day. Um, but beyond those skills, it's going to vary by company um, what skills you're going to need. Um, and just what they value. Like you heard Rachel, she's in Excel all day, but what they valued was the personality fit. Um, on the team. So, so it is not, um, you should not uh, wait until you're at some certain skill level to start applying. Um, you're, you're at the skill level, I should say this way, you're already at the skill level that you need to be at to start applying. Um, you just need to start getting out there and getting feedback on your resume, um, feedback on your interview style, you know, start, you know, casting your net, if you will, start applying. Um, don't, don't wait. Thanks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Big agreement with Katie there. Um, I was in the same boat. Um, it took John David many tries uh, to convince me to just start applying. Um, because, you know, and my argument was the same as yours, where it's like, I have like no prior analytics experience. I'm still building my portfolio. I think when I sent out my first application, I didn't actually have anything in the portfolio. Uh, so I kind of threw that link in the resume and I was hoping, I was counting on the lag time between <laughs> them reading the resume and clicking the link, you know, uh, and me actually like building up the portfolio. I was kind of counting on that. Um, 
but yeah, it's gosh, I've, that's been something I've had to come to terms with is like, you can teach someone any number of like programs or skills or like hard skills. Um, you can teach someone how to use computer if they don't know, but you can't teach someone how to communicate well. You can't teach interpersonal dynamics. Um, mm -hmm. And that's been something I kind of had to come to terms with really quickly, sending out those applications just to get over that anxiety of like, oh, I have no experience. Uh, you know, what if my qualifications just aren't even relevant? Mm -hmm. And let me let me actually add on to that because another thought popped in my head that will hopefully help you feel better. Um, most entry level positions or junior roles, if you have no experience, uh, that's the role you're going to get. You're going to get a junior level, entry level role. Um, they're not going to be the people that are doing the most complex tasks for your team. It's going to be your senior developer that's been there for three or four or five years, whatever. So, you know, there's there's an infinite amount that you can learn uh, in analytics. I mean, even take one, even take SQL. I mean, you could end the possibility. I mean, you could end, you could become an expert, study for thousands of hours and still be learning new, I'm sure. Um, but you're going to be hired for an entry level role. Um, that entry level role will be given by definition of it probably being the most junior one on the team. They're going to be given the simplest tasks, um, not to downplay what uh, not to downplay the importance of those roles, but it's just, you know, no manager is going to give the new person the hardest task um, that that would not set you up for success. Um, so, you know, you may be thinking, oh, I need to be an expert. I think that's a very common feeling that a lot of our students have is like, I really need to know all these advanced functions so that I, you know, I could answer any question that gets thrown my way kind of mentality. Um, but you're not going to you're not going to get a lot of hard questions in reality, like from a hiring manager's perspective, they're looking for someone trainable, easy to communicate with, that knows how to learn by themselves, that they can give a task to that maybe they don't know exactly how to do it, but they're going to try their hardest to complete it by themselves and only, you know, ask for help when they get totally stuck. Um, but they're not going to come in expecting that, you know, how to answer every question. Um, that's more of a senior level role or a manager kind of role. And you'll have plenty of experience between now and then to, to get to that. So don't think you need to be like an expert in skills. You know, you really only need a basic to like an intermediate level knowledge for most um, entry level positions. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. I bounce off of that. I was actually talking to my payroll manager uh, like two days ago. Um, because there's, you know, certain parts of the job that do deal with a lot of SQL. Um, and, you know, I came in knowing just basic SQL and I was asking her, you know, you know, I said, you do like 80 SQL queries a day or something like, I mean, did you come in knowing this? Like, is that, um, that why they pay the big bucks as a manager? And she said, no. You know, I came in just knowing basic SQL, but my biggest advantage was I wasn't afraid of it. You know, I didn't look at that and say, oh, gosh, that's really technical. She was like, I just learned it. You know, um, I wasn't afraid to just admit that, hey, I only know basic SQL, but I'm teachable. I'll learn. And she did. And so, you know, it was kind of an on the job learning thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, I think it's been the same way for a fair few people. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, um, Mike, I uh, I felt sort of the same way as well. Um, and for me, what I did was like John David told me to start applying, and I didn't really feel comfortable. I was like, I have nothing to show. I mean, I do have business analysts on my uh, on my resume because I'm doing that like part time for for a company, but and I have a portfolio. So what I did was like, okay, I got to I have like a week and a half or two weeks to to get something out there before I have to start applying. So I just cranked out a couple projects. Um, and then I felt more comfortable with actually starting to apply because I had, I was mm -hmm. able to put that on my resume. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. 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 And your portfolio can be a thing. Um, it should be a, uh, a, like a living kind of document. It shouldn't be, 
you know, your first project you put on your portfolio shouldn't be there in, you know, a year or two's time. Um, you know, you should be always improving and showing, you know, new skills. So certainly when you're in the interview process, you know, you're going to be building a lot of different projects potentially. And you only, you want to be very selective and only keep your top couple of projects in your portfolio. Um, so, you know, just build something to Bentley's point, build something. If that makes you feel better, build one or two projects. Don't wait until more than one or two, just have one or two. If you, if that will help you feel better, get it done in a week, get it done this weekend or, you know, as soon as you can, and then start applying. And then, you know, once you're, once you've got some applications in progress, you know, you're, you're comfortable with that, then go back and build a better portfolio piece and substitute it in. For what you have. So you can be iterating on your portfolio pieces at the same time you're applying for jobs. Yeah. I've, I've already gone back and improved one of those pieces. You know, I, I got it mm-hmm. out there and then like a week, a week or so later, I, I went back and made it better, mm-hmm. but it did, it did give me the confidence to just get out there and start applying. So mm-hmm. like what Joel did. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Joel's post was awesome today. Right. Yeah. We yeah. should talk about that for a minute. Cause that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That was really cool. Um, I, at, um, we had a student a couple of uh, cohorts ago, Diane, I think some of you know her for sure. Um, you see her on LinkedIn if you, if you weren't in the cohort with her, I'm sure. Um, she did a video, a YouTube video, like walking through one of her projects and put that on her portfolio. And I thought that was cool. And Joel's thing, uh, Canva is equally as cool. I think it adds a layer of not only personality, Um, But it's that presentation layer that sometimes you really do need as an analyst, Um, you know, in some companies, in some situations, you'll be building like for a PowerPoint for a a QBR meeting or something like that. And so having that level of um, like that extra presentation layer, I think is really cool. Um, And then the other the other benefit um, with that kind of stuff or how I see it translating to. like a real world job is uh, training. A lot of times analysts will have to train users on how to use dashboards or how to interpret data or something. You're kind of like a teacher a little bit too. Um, so, you know, things like your Canva board or power or a YouTube video or whatever, um, it can help with training too. So um, I've definitely used uh, videos in my Tableau dashboards to kind of teach my users certain things, functionality. Um, so I would say definitely go for it as you have the time to add that extra stuff. I mean, that would take that <laughs> having a portfolio alone sets you apart from from a good bit of the competition, having cool things like that in your portfolio, you'll be the only one applying to the job that has something like that. Cause that's just, that's really cutting edge. Not many people um, are having that advanced portfolios. Um, So, you know, I would say go for it, but also um, I'm going to sound like I'm talking out both sides of my mouth. I would say go for it with portfolio projects, but don't, don't do like 20 projects. Don't do, you know, don't, don't spend all of your hours, you know, applying for projects. There is a limit that you get good enough with portfolio projects. Um, I can show you guys, it'll probably be next time. I'll show you guys um, my portfolio that I use to get my job now. Um, It's not my best work. I do better. I've done better work now, but it's good enough. Um, cause again, the purpose of a portfolio when you're, when you're in your shoes is just to land a job and that's different portfolio from, um, other fields and industries like art and things like that. You know, some people think portfolio is your best work. Um, sometimes it is your best work and sometimes it's just a representation of the kind of work you can do. And it's just, um, there to get you a job. So, um, don't obsess either. And I'll tell you guys if you are, because we'll do portfolio reviews as part of um, part of this stuff. In fact, I think I told Joel last time, I said, I think I would make these few edits and then I'd move on to a new project. Um, so, you know, I think there's a there's a balance with the portfolio pieces. Yeah, I loved your post, Joel, um, when I saw that. And I also wanted to say I loved that you focused it around like the before and after. Um, like this is how I made improvements to my own project because there was such a level of self-awareness of the learning process there um, and of the fact that like you are constantly learning 
um, in positions like these. So I loved seeing that growth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I basically doing some experimenting in Canva and I saw this like little button in the corner of Canva that said animate. And I was like, what does animate do? I, I, I should try that and just see what I can do with animating it. And like 24 hours later, I had it done. So it was just kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Cool. What other questions do you guys have? Anything else? Have we heard from everybody? Carly, we still haven't heard from you. Are you there? Hello. Yeah, I'm here. Hello, everybody. Hey, I'm Carly. Just, I'm just listening and just listening tonight. Okay. Yeah. Fair just enough. Kind of you just got started with in. this. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't have any. I don't have any questions um, right now, but I'm certainly gaining a lot of good information from the discussion. So thank you, everybody. Yeah. Fair enough. I have a question. Yeah. Katie. So. Um, there is, um, I applied for another uh, position, a more BA in IT uh, supporting business users. So the ex the project manager actually gave me a call and said that there is a, a, a position on the marketing team <laughs> to support the marketing team and sales department. But I, I've always worked with marketing team as um, you know, as a BA to support, to integrate with other systems. But I never, I never like, for example, they use Marketo, yeah, mm -hmm. to automate their campaigns. And so I was going crazy the, today, trying to learn Marketo, like uh, going through uh, YouTube um, uh, uh, videos to understand, and it's very, it's like a whole universe, right? Mm -hmm. So, what do you recommend? Like, I know you're in sales, you're working in sales. So, what if, if, if this is happening in, in your in your company, like you're a project manager, and there is a position in a sales department, sales and marketing department? What you expect from me? You know, knowing that I come from IT, I do have a, a, a BA in graphic design and I did work for some digital agencies in the past. Yeah. So I would expect you to not have marketing experience. <laughs> um, but the value, one value that immediately comes to mind is that you could probably be a good translator to between marketing and their IT team, which is actually kind of what my role is, one, one thing that I do. Because um, okay. I have a background in IT before I moved to the sales side. Um, so there's not a lot of people who know how to communicate both with a business team and an IT team. Um, really? This is, so this is really you, valuable. Okay. You really can help. You can lean on your requirements side um, by turning it into more technical re by turning whatever the marketing team wants to do into more technical requirements. Um, like, like as an example, you know, you can say they want a certain report built, you know, for QBR, they want a new, they want a new report. Um, you could turn that in, you could learn and turn that into the requests of IT of which specific tables do you need data from? what might the join conditions might be, what are the key fields they should be filtering on, um, you know, turn, taking a business use case of we need this QBR slide and it needs to have these five metrics on it and um, turning it into here's the kind of query that I need, here's the kind of data that I need, mm -hmm. even if you're not writing it. Because um, if it's a bigger company, it might be, you might have it split where there's someone in the IT side that's writing some of the more complex queries. And it might be, if you're on the marketing side, you'll be on the business side, you know, doing more requirements. So actually your background in IT might serve you in that purpose as kind of being a translator. Um, the other thing I would recommend you do before you um, talk to them, you've already started down that path, but I would say marketing and sales are um, fields that you can pretty easily Google some KPIs on. Like you can just say, what are the top marketing KPIs? What are the top sales KPIs? You know, 
Um, and you can do some research to understand what they are before the call. So yeah, you don't have experience in them, but in the interviews, you could say, um, hey, have you ever thought, have you ever started measuring, I don't know, like a click-through rate or something? Like I'm not the best at marketing, so I'm not even sure what total KPIs would be, but you know, your click-through rate or something. Have you thought about that? Are you guys measuring that? Um, that's what, you know, doing that sort of research and then asking those sort of questions proves that you have the aptitude to learn their new business that, you know, in general, you know, how mar a marketing team might work. Um, and that's the tactic I used moving into sales. Or I think that's something that helped me moving on to the sales side is, you know, I Google searched what are common sales metrics, um, and I built a dashboard that had sales metrics in it. And I used that to apply to the job. Um, mm -hmm. And then when, or during the interviews, I asked them, are they measuring these four or five things? I can't remember anymore what it was, but I asked mm -hmm. them, you know, are you measuring these things today? And I asked them, you know, what, what do you want to measure that you can't measure today? Um, kind of questions. So I think you can prove you can, um, two, two things, I think, Claudia, to sum it up, you can prove that you're a good translator between the business and the IT side. That's directly plays into your requirements, gathering background. Um, and then uh, I lost my train of thought there. The second one. And the KPIs. The KPIs. Thank you. The KPIs. Research the KPIs and um, and prove that you can know how to learn that. And, and maybe try a marketing uh, project. Yeah, I just found the marketing uh, marketing data analytics in Power BI. So maybe I can play with that, and uh, I can understand their world a little bit better. Like, what mm -hmm. is their intent? And mm -hmm. and I was reading uh, the white paper on um, Marketo, like mm -hmm. to see what do they do, like yeah. SEO and like, yeah. the click to pay. Like they have a series of. Uh, things that are important nowadays, like personalization, campaign automa automation. I, I'm just feeling myself with all the, the lingo. Mm -hmm. So then I can say, well, I, I'm not, uh, I've never worked in the marketing team, but I understand what's important to you. Like, exactly. yeah, exactly, the KPIs. Okay, that's exactly. great. Exactly, yeah, yep. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that's a great idea. You're welcome. Any other questions? Can you uh, spell that program for me, Marketo? Uh, M-A-R-K is in kite, E-T-O. is Adobe Marketo. Oh, it's, okay. Yeah? Have you heard of them? So Adobe has a, has a wall that I couldn't get past to, to try out their uh, Adobe Analytics software. Yes, that's what they do. Like you can, you can, you can get through it, and they don't uh, provide free trials mm -hmm. because it's it, it's uh, what they do. This tool is really uh, very well used and established in the market. I don't know. It's just their their way they they do things. But I just had it open, but I, I can send it. If you're interested, I can send you what I found. Yeah, um, I'll check. Yeah, please, because that will be, I'll check that against what I've uh, looked up as well. But there's another thing that um, I looked up for marketing. Yeah. Um, that's urchin tracking model. I found that um, like a guide. I, I... I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Claudia, I think you're cutting out a little bit. You you got uh, broken up for a little bit. I couldn't hear oh, the whole sentence. Sorry. Uh, urchin well, I'm tracking model. Out. Okay. Yeah. Oh. We'll have to send it to her in our group chat. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Um, we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, what other questions do you guys have? Anything else for tonight? Well, we're almost out of time here, but there's an interesting question in here in the comments here. It's like it, he says, getting the interview is based largely on skills, though. 
And he said, how do you get the actual interviews when getting past an ATS is almost impossible these days? Um, I would say um, the ATS, that's why we help with your resumes and the keywords. That's what we work on. Um, but I mean, generally speaking, you can, that's how, I think that's how you, you kind of do that is you work on your keywords and then the interviews based on skills. I think that's exactly where your portfolio comes into play, um, is when you can send your portfolio across with your resume, uh, literally a link in your resume, people can read what you have to say and they see those nice keywords and they see your quantified business impact from whatever your prior experience is. There's always a way that you've had a good impact. So you guys know we talk about, well, I don't know if John Davis talked about that with the new guys yet, but we work on one thing we work on with your resume is really quantifying the impacts that you've had at your old companies and your old roles. Um, so then they're interested in those kinds of things and then they see your resume and they, or they see your portfolio, they click on it and they can see, you know, that you're highly skilled, that your portfolio really should speak for itself. You know, I do. Yes, I know it. SQL, here's an example query with great clean comments, um, code comments. Uh, here's a Tableau dashboard that's super um, that's super cool and visually appealing. And it has, uh, you know, several common entry level calcul calculations and like features, you know, applied and Power BI, same thing. So um, that's how I would answer those questions. Yeah. I know. I mean, one of the things that you guys have mentioned too is like thinking about your past experience and how it relates to analytics and mm -hmm. kind of fitting that into your resume. And then also the, the quantifying mm -hmm. impacts was a big one that I, that I hadn't done before. And I added in. Mm -hmm. um, and what I did too was, I, don't, I mean, I'm sure not everyone is able to do this, but like I've, I'm doing like some volunteer work. So I'm technically a business analyst at a company, you know, and I, that's on my resume, which is, I think has been hugely helpful for me. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, if there's any way for, for you to like, if, if you know somebody with a business that you can do some analytics for, mm -hmm. why not? If you have the time, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Was, yep. And even volunteering, like even, um, I think Hunter, uh, he said he worked, he used data from a fire department or something similar, like a, you know, like that kind of a nonprofit or something. They're always looking for, you know, help and they have publicly available data sets. So if you say, Hey, can I do a little piece of work for you or something like you can probably find something. And yeah, that would be great. A great experience to add to your resume and your portfolio. It doesn't have to be paid experience on your resume. So yeah. there's, there's also the comment to the question, uh, oh, is it your portfolio if the ATS screens you out, I use job scan and get 80% matches, but I'm still not getting any callbacks. Um, John David actually gave me a tip about that when I was applying. He said, even if you're doing like the quick apply or something, like have a copy of your resume open on your computer um, and do a free trial of LinkedIn Premium so that you can see the keywords that they're looking for because it will actually tell you and then make sure that you have as many of those as you can in your resume. And what I did was I had just a skill section, just a chunk at the bottom of the resume. Um, and I would just go in and interchange when I was doing the quick applies uh, if it was drastically different. And I think that definitely improved my chances uh, mm -hmm. for getting past the automatic screening systems. Mm -hmm. Did you do cover letters every time though, or just quick? Because every time I hear like hundreds of applications, I'm like, how are you going to possibly do cover letters? Uh, I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really know. And many of our students are doing cover letters. Mm -hmm. um, I think I there there's an opportunity. Kamar, it doesn't surprise me if you are. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I'm from a generation of, you know, that was a must. And I would say this way, Shraddha. With your portfolio, there's actually an opportunity to add cover letter type information into your portfolio. So I don't know if you've decided what platform you're using for your portfolio, but um, I would probably recommend Maven because I think they're the best one. User friendly. Our students have used it and really liked it. And anyways, there's like information sections and like about like a maybe about me kind of section. I don't know. We'd have to pull it up and we can look together another time. But um, that kind of it doesn't 
you can't tailor it to say I'm interested in your position because of X, Y, Z, but it gives you that space as an opportunity to talk about why you'd be a good candidate um, or what you're interested in, you know, that kind of stuff. So. Got it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Someone else had the question on the chat for it too. So I figured I'd throw it in. Oh, thanks guys. Thanks for pulling those in. Okay. We're here at time uh, or at nine o'clock. I'm sure you guys are are getting tired. I know I am too, um, but I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much. This is so fun. Uh, I hope you guys join me for the, um, for the upcoming Thursdays. So we'll have three more of these uh, at least as our little experiment. Um, and uh, next time I can show my portfolio, we can talk more about portfolios or you guys filled the whole time today. So I guess I don't even need to plan something, but um, that's what we'll do next uh, in our lectures anyways, and start get you guys moving on that. So. Thanks for the time. Have a good night. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I'm curious, were there any valuable insights or lessons that you learned? One thing that could hugely help us out is if you just took 30 seconds and left us a review with a little blurb about what you learned. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.